Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. Today we're, we have a special co-host here with me. Unfortunately, Elizabeth wasn't able to join us, so Mary Griffith is going to join us. And Jason Hartshoe is filling in um, as a guest as well as we talk about a cover crop project we've had going on. Um, maybe you've seen our videos on watching the progress of cover crops break down throughout the winter at Farm Science Review, um, but let's get to our guest introductions first. So go ahead, Mary. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary Griffith. I'm the Extension Educator in Madison County, Ohio. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Hartshoe, uh, Extension Educator up in Crawford County, and thanks for having me today, Amanda. Yeah. So a little background, um, we planted these cover crops back in late July, I think. Is that right? Yeah, so we have a couple different planting dates out there actually on the cover crops. So we have one section of cover crops that is actually cover crops that we interseeded into growing corn. Uh, that corn was in that V4, V5 growth stage when we interseeded it. So that was in June when we planted that bunch of cover crops. Uh, and then we came back and we planted another round of cover crops in uh, late July, um, really we kind of shifted gears and changed some things up when we didn't end up, when we found out we weren't having Farm Science Review in person, which really uh, created this really nice cover crop demonstration that we were able to put together. Yeah, and it st- one of them at least started out, well, a few of them started out as herbicide trials. We wanted to see how those affected the emergence of cover crops, but it didn't work out very well because we didn't have any rain. <laughs> yeah, uh, we planted, actually had two different herbicide trials we were trying to do. We had a block that was uh, herbicides that you would use, like pre-emerge herbicides on corn, another block that was pre-emerge herbicides for soybeans. And then we had also done pre-emerge herbicides in our interseed cover crops, and all three of those spots, the cover crops grew like we didn't put any herbicide down at all. Um, that was a mix of, we had some heavy rains right after, and then it just turned off really dry. Um, those herbicides must have broken down and weren't still there when we planted those cover crops. So we're actually looking at trying to do some of that work again here in 2021 for demonstrations that will be um, growing at the 2021 Farm Science Review. So. We're working with uh, OSU's weed science program to redo that cover crop section of looking at pre-emerge herbicides that we would use before soybeans and before corn um, with that idea of what would happen to our cover crops with those herbicides if we uh, went in and flew on the cover crop with an airplane interceded with that, you know, early September, uh, late August, or even potentially after those crops are harvested, planted with a drill or something. And, what effects our herbicides may actually have and in our cover crop failures some years. Yeah, and I think that's a great project and something I was really looking forward to seeing the results of, but as you mentioned, it didn't work. However, what resulted was beautiful a beautiful stand of cover <laughs> crops out there, and we didn't want that to go to waste, so we decided to just monitor those throughout the winter. Right, and so Jason and I have been in those um, videos. You can find them on our Agronomic Crops YouTube channel. Mary was along with us, kind of being a producer there, along with Elizabeth. Uh, So we'll kind of get into what we saw throughout the winter, how quickly they broke down the different species and things like that. Let's see, we took a look first um, towards the end of November, beginning of December, before we had a first hard freeze there. 
think. Yeah, we did. So we went out late November, I believe it was, and looked at those cover crops. It was before any freeze, looking at uh, what was naturally going to die off um, without any cold temperatures and the different species we had. So we had a lot of different things going on. We had a section where we had planted just individual species and strips. Um, then we had some other sections where we had actually planted some different mixes. Um, and when we were out there at the review time in September and then again after harvest, we had a lot of different species. So we had some forbs and different flowering species. There were sunflowers out there, sun hemp, uh, that were in flower there in the fall. Um, and then some of those, you know, some species didn't overwinter. So the sun hemp didn't overwinter, the sunflower didn't overwinter. We had oats out there. The oats didn't overwinter. Um, there was sorghum sedan. The sorghum sedan winter killed off. Um, those all kind of have residue left that we're going to have to plant through. Uh, we had some plots that were just radishes. Um, the radishes were kind of an interesting story. Uh, we expected them to die off pretty quick. We didn't expect them to be dead yet in November, but when we came back in January, we really expected those radishes to be dead. Uh, but they were anywhere from being able to kind of ring them with your hands to a few radishes that were still hard, but a lot of them still had green tops when we came out in January. Now, we were out there today here in April. They're dead, dried up, really look like they've left a nice clean field to plant into where you're not going to have a lot of residue to have to manage to go in and plant your corner bean crop after those radishes. Yeah, that ground was pretty bare. Mm -hmm. Good observation there. We had a pretty mild start to the winter. I, I don't know about the rest of Ohio, but here right at the review site, um, we did get a hard freeze there somewhere around the end of November, beginning of December, but then um, not a lot of cold weather up to the point when we took a look in January. So when we did that video, you know, those turnips, they were still pretty hard um, and green. I mean, a lot of the stuff was still green and um, you mentioned the sorghum and I'd forgotten about that when we took a look here in April because I didn't even see a lot of that left over. It was really pretty broken down too. Yeah, I think that sorghum, you know, you think about sorghum, it's in the same family as corn and you think it's going to break down kind of like our corn stalks but it broke down a lot faster than what the corn residue did uh, if you knew where it was you could still see some of it standing but we didn't bush hog it or anything it was all pretty well laid down onto the ground um, the other one you know the oats it was still there but it was really soft and brittle like straw it seemed like it'd be pretty simple to plant through that oats cover crop that was still present um, the one other one that's in that same family as the radish, you know, we had the turnips out there. Those were planted there in late July. Uh, a lot more of those overwintered than what I think any of us really expected. Yeah. Um, we get reports from time to time of a few overwintering, but where they were more protected, and I don't know, I'm going to guess you probably had it similar to what we had up north, 20, 24 inches of snow there at one point when we got really cold. It, it definitely insulated them and helped those turnips over winter so that's something you wouldn't usually plant a solid stand like we had out here but that's something you would have to deal with planting into those turnips that may not be ideal. So you mentioned having some snow cover and we did have like a 15 day stretch there in February where we didn't get above freezing it was pretty cold but we had um, a few inches up to a foot of snow and that lasted for three weeks maybe four weeks even before it started to melt off. So 
we had that good snow cover. We had the cold weather. I mean, we kind of had a little bit of mix of everything, but we didn't have super cold weather without the snow cover. And that was maybe unusual for Ohio winter, I think, compared with what we've seen around here. Yeah, I think that's a little unusual, and that's probably what helped those turnips over winter. And when we were out there today, the rapeseed was going really strong, and we kind of expect that to overwinter. But usually, uh, when I've worked with it in the past, we lose some of it. It doesn't all overwinter, and it looked like pretty much all of it made it. And mm -hmm. I think that good snow cover it insulated the ground when we had our coldest temperatures really allowed that to happen. Yeah, Mary, what do you think? You live in this area. Um, what yeah. do you think about the different crops we had out there and overwintering? I was just trying to think what the soil temperatures would have been when we recovered. We had snow for a lot longer than we normally do in the winter time, and it never really melted until it was all, all gone. So we had a brutally cold winter, but we had snow cover that whole time, so I guess that must have made a pretty big difference. I was really surprised today when we went out and looked at those cover crops, how green they all looked and how much they've grown and still look pretty healthy since the last time we've been out here in January. I fully expected that a lot of them would more be dead. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you think about how cold the ground was under that snow, if you think back to plowing snow this winter, if you, know, you were mm -hmm. blessed enough to accidentally drive off the road with the snow plow truck, it dug in really well. Uh, <laughs> pushed the ditches back with the truck or got the truck stuck pretty easy due to the fact that ground wasn't frozen hard. So, you know, the cover crops would have experienced that same thing. And we've, we've gotten really warm here the last few weeks. So when we were out there, stuff's really greened up and is growing nice. I mean, we're getting some good growth. We had some annual ryegrass out there. It's probably pushing six or eight inches tall. The cereal rye's pushing 10, 10 inches tall probably. It's mm -hmm. gonna start jointing here really soon and shoot up um you know it it will probably on the cereal rye we have out here i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't have heads by the end of april for sure on that cereal rye uh some other things we had we have some clover species uh, and some other nitrogen uh, fixers um, hairy vetch uh, red clover we had some crimson clover they're all doing very well um, have very good ground cover um, the vetch is a pure stand, so it's a really thick stand. Uh, it's pretty much blocking all of the, capturing all that solar radiation from the sun, which is great, but it's blocking all that sunlight. So it was really uh, damp underneath the vetch. Um, that'll be a little bit slower to dry out in those spots just because of that good mm -hmm. cover. Um, yeah, you mentioned the zero ride jointing by the end of April, and for those of you out there who are doing it or interested in roller crimper, I mean, that's going to be a good timing to be able to plant and get that done and not be delayed, really. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be something really nice this year. We're going to do some demos, actually, with a roller crimper for this year's Farm Science Review. But, you know, getting that rye to joint and have that stem elongation is really critical for a roller crimper to work properly because it has to break that stem. Uh, that's how it goes about killing the rye. And if you're still vegetative and that stem's really flexible, it isn't able to do that. Yeah, so there's been some discussion about whether the cover crops help dry it out or keep it wet. And 
you know, we're going to look at that a little bit more this fall, but um, I don't know that we have a good answer yet until we do some monitoring. Yeah, I think there's some projects uh, that are going to be getting started to look at that. And I think, you know, that's one of those things. Every year is different in agriculture and in farming uh, just because it worked well one year. So one year you want it to keep the soil wet or one year you want the soil to dry out faster. And cover crops, uh, some people say, well, they're going to dry my soil out because they're taking up moisture. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're shading that soil so the sun isn't warming it up and drying it out and baking it. So you have a little bit of everything going on. That's why really when it, when it comes to the end of the day, uh, there's really no one right way to farm. You know, a lot of different ways different people farm. You got your guys that are growing cover crops and they're terminating them early with chemicals. There's guys that terminate them late with chemicals or roller crimp them. And I'm even working with some guys that cover crop guys that till them all under um, and then you got your guys that you know just do full tillage there's all kinds of different ways to farm and it's not one way is right it's just a different way of producing a crop to feed the world um, on your own operation and what works for you and your soils because each soil is even different you know what worked on one soil type doesn't work as well on another that's a good point I guess once we got past that snow, um, getting back to the weather a little bit, you know, March we had a 45 degree average. April, it's been um, pretty warm and dry. And I know up your way, J Jason, in northwest Ohio, you guys are really worried about moisture and not having enough of it. So that's spurred these crops to grow a little bit more. But you talked about it could dry it out. It could um shade it or you know maybe it's just a balance thing yeah too. you know i think it it really is it's a balance so we're drier than what we normally would be up north uh depending how deep tile are in and different things some tile aren't running when you're uh, repairing some of those tile which is a little bit concerning uh typically this time of year you know you're in there in the tile hole fixing tile and your hands are about froze off working in that icy mm -hmm. cold water uh, but you can be making tile connections on a repair job and there's nothing running through that tile. So that is a little bit concerning. And you look at cover crops and you have that decision, you know, do I kill it now so it doesn't take up any more moisture or do I let it grow? What's that long-term weather look like? Uh, you know, a lot of us pay a lot of attention to what the 10, 30-day outlooks are to try to decide what to do here in the spring because we also know that going through the summer, if it stays dry, the more cover crop we have that shades the ground after we kill it, it's going to keep those soils a little bit cooler and a little bit damper. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to balance planting with the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. We're so focused on when, what actually is taking place when we get that seed in the ground. And, of course, that's super important. But, you know, if it dries out, uh, then we're not going to have a very good crop either. So... Right, that all plays into it, you know, and uh, that's another place sometimes we struggle with cover crops is your planter has to be set right in order to plant through it. You know, if we can't get the seed in the ground deep enough because our planter doesn't have enough down pressure or our gauge wheels right up on that cover crop, some we've been planting an inch and a half deep and now we're only planting an inch deep, that can all cause challenges. Or if our soils are a little bit damper with that cover crop so we're not getting those seed slits closed, uh, so really fine-tuning that planter uh, can really help and is needed. And it varies by field and type of cover crop you have. 
what type of fine tuning you're going to have to do to your planter to do a good job of planting through that to have a successful season. Uh, speaking of that, we're going to do the demo planting green. Could you talk a little bit about what that's going to look like? Yeah, so we're going to do a demo this year where we're actually going to plant green into one of the multi-species mixes. I had some summer annuals that died off in the mix and then it had some winter annuals, um, very low on the grasses, so there wasn't a lot of cereal rye in it, um, so that's really sporadic, but there is a lot of rapeseed and an, a decent amount of clover. So we're gonna plant green, uh, both corn and soybeans, into that cover crop mix, and we're also gonna plant brown uh, to, to demonstrate the two. So when we say planting brown, here when the wind dies down probably next week because right now it's probably blowing 20 mile an hour out there wouldn't be too advisable to go spray herbicides uh, gonna kill off the brown sections um, so they're gonna die they're gonna have three or two or three weeks we'll probably plant the first of may for those demos but they'll have a couple weeks to kind of break down um, and we'll plant into that dead mat versus planting green and when we go to plant those um, we'll have to probably make some adjustments between the two especially with that rapeseed where it's green. It's probably going to hold our depth gauge wheels up an inch or so in places. Uh, so we'll have to look at that and try to get our planter set to plant through both of those um, to compare the two. And as soon as we get done planting, as long as it's not a day like today where the wind's going to blow us away, we'll turn right around and we'll spray those green planted plots. And then, you know, I mentioned we're going to do some roller crimper demos uh, where actually that's going to be a little bit interesting. We don't have cereal rye or anything growing out there right now. But in order to demonstrate different kill times, we're going to plant a um, spring wheat probably and then crimp it at different times and plant beans that will be just coming up in time for the review. Uh, to look at those different growth stages where you might run a roller crimper through and what type of control you may get uh, with that based on growth stage of that spring wheat, which will crimp very similar to rye or winter winter wheat. Yeah, so make sure you stop by the plots and check those out because should be some interesting things to see. Um, so I guess just wrapping this all up, um, my observations, what we saw out here in the plots was, you know, oats winter killed nicely. Um, that cereal rye and annual rye grass, uh, it survived and has put on a lot of growth in the last couple months. Um, like Jason mentioned, the turnips were probably the biggest surprise, um, how much size and growth that they got on them um, and how firm those bulbs still are. So if you're concerned about that, don't plant them after wheat. <laughs> you maybe plant them a little later in the growing season. And then rapeseed is another good one if you want something to overwinter and not have a big mass of something left. So um, anything else? Yeah, I guess the last thing was we saw some differences. We weren't really measuring weed control, but visually mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more chickweed and dead nettle in our uncovered plots mm -hmm. uh, where we have that growing cover crop um, you'll still find a little chickweed and a little dead nettle but nowhere near as thick as where we didn't have the cover crop and we've seen some other research studies that are showing that cover crops do help with weed control uh, they're not a solo answer you still have to do other practices but they definitely help and we could see that out there today uh, a few less of those winter annuals now i didn't really see any mares tail or anything like that out there we've ran a pretty strong herbicide program, controlled that over the years, but we did have some chickweed and dead nettle that we could see 
a visual difference between where the cover crops were and where. Yeah, that was a good observation. If you guys want to check out our videos, um, we'll have the next one up soon if it's not up already by the time we release this podcast, uh, but go to the Agronomic Crops YouTube page. Um, you can find it under our cover crops playlist. And then, like I said, stop out and visit us during the show at Farm Science Review. We'd love to talk to you guys and show you what we have going on. Mary, Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Amanda. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.